Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good nights, good twilight, good witching hour. I hope you're having a great time, whatever part of your day you're in. If I'm coming to you from next to your bed, sleep well. If I'm coming to you from in your car, hello, good morning, or good evening. I'm done with that intro, that was really annoying. Uh, I'm John Sherburn, if you didn't know, and this is The Nightcap Podcast, a podcast where I come to you and talk about all things that interest me and try to analyze them in an interesting way. I uh, hope you guys like it today. I hope you guys like it every time you listen to it. And if you don't, why are you listening? So without further ado, I'm going to get into the episode. I'm going to talk to you a bit about something that's very important, something that's very uh, topical, just like all the content I hope to create for you guys. Today, I'm going to talk about the PC culture. I'm going to talk about the political correctness movements. I'm going to talk to you guys about the current state of affairs in society and when it comes to things in like the realm of discrimination and things like that. So I hope I don't offend anybody today. All these things are just my opinions. I've tried to research them. I've tried to come up with a decent and uh, as best I can middle ground unbiased opinion. I of course have biases, but I'm going to try to present it in a neutral way. And I'm gonna try to talk about both sides of the issue. If you don't like conversations, I would definitely turn it off. If you're easily uh, offended by people disagreeing with you, I would definitely, well, no, actually no, I wouldn't turn it off because I challenge you to grow as a person, to maybe look at someone's opinions who are different than yours, or they're the exact same. If you have the same opinions as me, good job. You're doing something right. Just kidding. Um, so I guess it's time for me to put on the, I, I guess right about now you're going to be hearing the music play, so I'm going to let that do its thing. I won't, I'm not going to interrupt the music. All right, so today we're talking about the PC or political correctness movement. Um... Just to open up the term a little bit for everybody, um, just a quick search will find you that the PC or political, I'm going to call it PC, politically correct movement um, is used to describe language policies, measures that are intended to avoid offense or disadvantage to members of particular groups in society. Um, it's a movement that's aimed at helping people who are maybe in a minority group or in a group that's seen um less rights maybe than like others um it's going to give them equality and give them kind of a fair playing field or it's attempting to at least by way of conversation at least by way of like general action this is in no way associated with any sort of law policy or anything like that really um a lot of it is more in like the social sphere um but it's it's i don't know it's pretty interesting um and this has been around for a long time uh i think the term first came around in a very different way way back in like the 40s or in like with Germany but back then it literally meant like politically correct uh, correct under way of how the government sees fit um, that was back when like people were expected more to have a nationalistic and like unified stance with their government so back then it was like literally correct politically based on the views of your country it's changed a lot it changed um, into like the 60s and 70s it started to become used and it was kind of very an underground concept but it, it, it came in it rose since then since like the late 1980s um it's kind of come to refer inclusive language um and avoiding behavior that can be seen as exclusive or uh marginal marginalizing or insulting a group of a specific uh race sex identity whatever um this has been used mostly to describe um gender sexuality and racial issues in the United States. Um, and so that's mostly what I'm gonna be focusing on today. 
Um, and a lot of times it's used in the media. I don't know. A lot of times it is used on like the conservative side to be kind of, uh, I'm not going to say negative, but it's definitely used as a pejorative um, or like derogatory term. Um, talking about like, I don't know, I see a lot of people on the right talking about like the PC movement, like, like, like snowflake liberals kind of thing. And I see a lot of, uh, but I'd say on the liberal side, you see a lot of people using it as in a positive way. Um, I do think that's one of my issues with like the conservative agenda, because both sides do have an agenda. With the conservative agenda, I don't necessarily like how much it's kind of, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's really easy for both sides. I say it's really easy for liberals to look at conservatives and say like you're dumb and out of like you're old and out of uh, like out of the loop and you're, you're ignorant because of your age or because of your like position in society, which in my opinion is very dismissive, um, because sometimes people have like good opinions on no matter no matter what side of the island you're on, people have good opinions. And on the right, um, I see a lot of times it's easy for them to dismiss the left, saying that they're, they don't really know what they're talking about, it's all a bunch of social hoo-ha, and they don't have any idea, and it's like a bunch of young kids that don't actually understand the ways of the world, which I'm not a huge fan of, um, but nowadays... PC, the PC movement is used to talk... It's a lot of online stuff. It's a lot of, like, social behaviors. Um, Twitter has really popularized it. Twitter becoming, in the last... In recent years, the face of the 21st century. Um, it has become kind of the... Twitter's, like, I guess... Not, not like... Like, Facebook's a lot more for, like, talking to your friends and, like, social, and, like, Instagram's more for, like, showing everyone pictures, but Twitter is used a lot to, like, have a cultural discussion and, like, reach a large audience of people to talk about issues, um, which I think is very important, and Twitter is kind of our biggest medium in that stage. Um, but I'm going to open it up a little bit about some of my background. As usual, I try to say a little bit about my background before I get into some of the bigger stuff. I grew up in a small conservative town. I go to school in, a, in a, an extremely liberal town, um, a college town. Um, and so I have two staunchly different, like, back and forths, and that's kind of where a lot of my opinions on the show come from, um, is that mixture of, like, I grew up very, like, conservative, and I, I'm now seeing, like, the liberal side of that issue, and I think both sides are equally biased, like, I, like, both sides of my life, like, I grew up in a very biased conservative place, I am now in a very biased liberal place, um, and so it gives me the it's given me the ability to kind of see through some of the issues that both sides have and like better understand where the bias comes from. Um, where I grew up, I saw a lot less understanding of like minority groups as a whole, whether that was like, I was growing up right in like the get legalization of like, like gay marriage. Um, when it comes to a lot of that kind of stuff, I grew up around, there was a lot of like, uh, racial tension when I was in like middle and high school. Um, there was some like, 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 some rioting there were some big shootings that got really national like was it the, the fault of the person who got shot was it the fault of like the police officer that shot them and like each one had different factors that led to it and in some cases um it was like oh there was this some gangbanger that was i can't say gangbanger uh, it was just some like gang member who was reaching for a cop's gun and he got shot which is less of a victim story in my mind than oh there was this like kid walking on the street minding his own business and some racist cop came started beating the crap out of him you hear a lot of that kind of stuff. And where I grew up, I saw a lot of lack of understanding towards some of my minority groups, minority in any kind of context. Um, I found that in the environment I grew up in, there was a lot of people that cared. Most people just don't care. A lot of people where I grew up, men, women, don't feel like there's a lot of disparity between 
um, most of these groups, they found that most of these groups f- have enjoy relatively equal status in the United States, and any issues we do have are relatively small in comparison to, say, like in the 20th century, which, to a point, I think is very fair. I do think that we've come a long way, and that like a lot of the issues of today are pale in comparison to the issues of the 20th century. And when it comes to women's rights, a lot of the issues we see now are things like catcalling um, and stuff like that, which is negative and very bad for society. And I was just talking to someone about it today, so I might get into catcalling a little later. Um, but at the same time, it's not as bad as like being rejected to work because you're a woman or something like that. Um, you've seen a lot of these things go down. You've seen a lot of hate crimes kind of go down. I mean, the, the biggest one was if you look at like the black rights movement in like the 60s, they were like, you know, shooting hoses off at people and firebombing places for, like, blacks and gays and things. And nowadays, you just don't see that. And so I think that we've definitely come a long way, and that's definitely a fair point. But I do think that in, like, the area I grew up, and in most areas, a lot of this is due to a lack of exposure. I think that exposure is really important, and I've talked about this before, but I really do think that a lot of our issues stem from media, entertainment media, like TV and stuff. A lot of, like, where I grew up, my school was 97% white. Um, everyone was pretty much like cis-hetero, like the very basic like white bread America kind of thing. Um, there was definitely, I, I mean, I knew gay people, I knew black people, like I, I had experience with a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds, but generally everyone was on the same page. It was a very homogeneous place. And so as a result, a lot of like growing up, a lot of what I saw of like black people or gay people or whatever, Minority groups, a lot of what I saw stemmed from, like, TV and movies because most people around me weren't like that. I lived in a small area, so it was a lot less, uh, um, like, diversity, where if you live in the city, it's millions of people, so there's a lot more diversity. And so where I grew up, most of what I came from was seen on TV and stuff, and I think that TV has a really good way of stereotyping people. So for most people, if you spend a majority of your life in one area, and this is, I'm not just talking about like white to black or anything like that. Like if you're a French person and all you ever know about America is what you see on TV, or if you're an American, all I've ever really seen about you know someone from France has been on television. So a lot of my opinions about the French are stereotyped opinions that come from like what I've seen on TV. I think it's very easy for that to happen. You see a lot of... So, it, so for a lot of people, like, if, if all you see on television of, like, black people are these, like, stereotyped roles, whether it was because it's some, like, hoodlum or it's, like, whatever the stereotype is, um, it makes it a lot harder for people to understand in a non-biased way other groups because you don't see them. And, and, and this is not any sort of, like, power thing. This is anywhere. Like, and you even see it if, you, if you, like, an uh, American person goes to China, a lot of Chinese people have a lot of funny opinions on, like, America. A lot of the world has a lot of funny opinions on Americans because all they see is, like, the news media, which is a circus. Or all they see is, like, Americans in Hollywood, which is crazy. So they think American high schools are this, like, saved-by-the-bell weird universe, you know? That's not real. Um, and so I think that that is a big issue I see with people across the board, but I do think that in areas that are relatively isolated, it's a bigger problem than in areas like the city where you see more people. So you might meet people from other countries. You'll meet people from different areas of life. Socioeconomic structure is going to vary more. Um, and so I think that's a big bias center from my childhood. I think it's one of the biggest things I don't like about being raised in a small town. There's a lot of benefits. I think it's really good to raise kids in a small town, but one of the big biases is that you're only exposed to the people around you, and it's harder to be exposed to other people. Whew, getting off that topic. Um, I see that in college now, um, I do think, and this probably is because there's a generally younger audience, is that I do see a lot more people with their hearts in the right place. Like, well, no, not more people with their hearts in the right place. I see a lot more people 
that are saying, I want to help as many people as possible. I want to like give right to as many people as possible. I want to give money to as many people as possible. But I see a lot less know-how on how to do that most effectively. I think a lot of younger people are drawn towards like the left more because the left, like by definition, is a lot more human-focused and human-oriented um, in a direct way. Like, it's a lot more about how am I going to give this person money? How am I going to give these people, like, what they need more? Then on the right, it's a lot more about I'd like to help these people, but fiscally there's a way we have to do it, and, like, this is how. So I think if they combine sides, it could be great. But where I see a lot of young people, they have the want but not the know-how. And so I see a lot – now that I'm here, I see a lot more people driven by emotion. So there's a lot more kids that go, you know, I think what – we're doing about like border security is really wrong. We shouldn't be stopping people at the border. We shouldn't be putting them in pens and stuff, which is all very fair. But then the problem is, okay, what do we do about illegal immigration? Uh, my opinion on that is that I think that we should stop illegal immigration like as hard as possible, make it very hard for people to come in illegally, but make it a lot easier for people to come in legally. I think we should allow a lot because you can't really stop people from coming into this country. You can either let them all you know, jump in and it, it's dangerous and unsafe and it causes problems because we don't know how to tax people and things. Or you can, I'm not saying open up borders because there still needs to be like a, a relative flow because everybody would try to come in here if they could. But having like a better system in place that is more open to allow more people and less open to illegal immigration is really important because illegal immigration is obviously bad. Like people running in here with no, like there's that's not a good thing. Um, but so like I see a lot more people that have that, uh, that, want but not like the know-how and so that's the bias i see here at school is that there's a lot of that and so i think that those back and forth kind of things are like a consistent pull and tug in most areas of politics in the united states like this is one of our biggest issues is that those two ideas working against each other um and so i think that's how the modern pc movement got started by people on the left they saw a big disparity in how people being treated and they saw a big like it was in the little things. Like, there are big issues and we've fixed most of them, but there's a lot of small societal movements and opinions that we kind of are doing that like, we shouldn't be doing. So, the PUC movement is has been very beneficial in a lot of areas. Like, it's been very good for against racism and sexism and homophobia, or like, not homophobia, but a general lack of understanding and acceptance towards the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and I think that it's done a lot for all those in their individual settings. You see things we, we talk about for race, we talk about things like microaggressions. We thought, talk about things like how we view minorities and like this like, cycle of poverty, which is really difficult. That's one. Of, I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna talk about that for a minute because I think it's very difficult. The cycle of poverty in the inner cities is one of the hardest things we have to break in this culture. Like it's almost impossible because it's it, it takes it'll take everybody, and most people don't care. And I'm not talking. And I'm talking about most people when it comes to people in the inner cities, people outside of the inner cities. It talks about business, government. Like most people don't care on a level personal enough to make active change. Um, the cycle of poverty is something that starts, and this isn't really racially motivated, but it ends up like being a problem more than anyone for the black community um, because they do make up a majority of a lot of our inner cities. Um, but anyone in the inner city, you have a parent who doesn't have the means to make a lot of money, doesn't have the means to like escape the situation they're in. So they're in like, let's say they're in low housing area, they're in a place that's not very well policed, not very well patrolled, there's a lot of drugs, a lot of crime, um, it's hard, you know, the school system is really shitty because there's a lot of people there that don't care, people there that are doing bad things. So you're in a bad place, like a dangerous place in general. You have kids, 
you have to work all the time as a parent because you have kids. So you're trying to work. You're trying to whatever you can do. It's hard to make money because you're making minimum wage. Minimum wage is hard to do when you're trying to support kids. Um, and so as a result, it's hard to spend enough time with your kids. And it's and then when the kids start going to school, they have a lot of outside pressure from other kids who might have bad things in mind. They might be into drugs. They might be into um, like gang stuff and all that. So your kids are being pulled in all these directions. And so for a lot of people, the kids then don't prioritize school because their older siblings didn't or their parents don't have the time to push them or their school system doesn't have the time to ensure they're there or their government doesn't have the uh, allocations of money to make sure every kid's in school. And so as a result, those kids don't get a good education. And even if they do get a good education, it's hard to translate that into a good college degree because it's hard to get people to leave a place like that because it's kind of a pit like it's hard to get out of that pit and so it cycle continues with those kids growing up and they have kids and then their kids are in the same system it's a very difficult system because there's a lot of issues it starts at home it's not the parents fault per se but it starts at home with like if it starts with the government as well because the government pushed it a little more made it a little more accessible or easy or made education a little better all over the place that would change things it's also hard because you're in the inner city there's just a lot of people and it's hard to what are you going to do? Lock everyone up that's doing anything wrong forever? Like, you can't. So it's, it's, it's kind of this weird cycle that everyone needs to drop. Like, if all the people in the inner city gangs, everyone stopped what they were doing, and all the people outside of the inner city, like the government and people that had more money and stuff like that, all those people helped out. If everyone got on it, we could fix it. But until that happens, it's very hard. It's like whack-a-mole hitting one issue on the head. Okay, more money towards school funding but it's not getting used in a, the correct way by the administration or it's still not getting the kids to go to school, things like that. That's very difficult. Uh, I know it's not really part of what I'm talking about, but I do think it's very important and it's a very uh, difficult issue to fix. And so I think that everyone should know about it and be thinking about it a little more warily because I think it's a huge issue in our country. But um, we have had this PC movement that has done a lot of good and a lot of bad. I think that it helps. I talked about this a bit ago. It helps people to understand better groups they're not from. The only reason I came to college and knew anything about all of this stuff, whether it comes to like people with different sexual orientations, like more than just like gay, straight, bisexual, whatever, um, when it comes to dealing with like, oh, like this is how like microaggressions work. The only reason I knew about any of it is because I saw it on the internet. And when I came to school, it was important to know because there's a lot of people at my school that are, whether it's they're very sensitive, whether it's because they're a part of a group, whether it's because they have personal or societal experiences um, that are negative. Like there's a lot of people that care a lot about like the words you use. And I'm not used to that. Where I'm from, no one cares what words you use. There weren't any really words that were off limits aside from a couple of the obvious big ones. Um, there weren't really any, like people didn't get offended very easily. And I see how people are getting a lot more offended um, here. And I think it, it's fair. I think that that's like a big talking point of the right is like, oh, you, everyone's really easily offended. Y'all went to snowflakes. Um, and I think to a point, it is true. People are very easily offended. There's a lot of stuff I disagree with, with like, oh, you can't say that word. Why not? Or, you, oh, you can't think like that. And I, I do find problem with that because anyone can really think how they want. And I think that to a point, it's gone a little too far. But on the other end of the stick, the reason that people are overly or easily offended or overly whatever about this kind of stuff is simply due to the fact that they have had experience with like harsh negativity. Like people aren't offended by a word because they're easily offended. It's most likely because they've experienced someone worse using that word or thinking that way. And so I think that it's a good, like it's a, it's a difficult conversation because what is too offended and what is prevented? Like there's preventative measures and there's like overly exaggerated measures and it's kind of difficult to figure out which ones are oh you're being overly 
exaggerated about this being bad, or you're right, this is part of a larger problem. And I think the idea that a bunch of little things make up the whole is really important to think about. And so when you see someone talk about like a little microaggression of, oh, you said this this way, you shouldn't have said it that way. Like you should have said it with the words in a different order or something. Don't instantly write that off as someone getting too offended. Maybe it's because it's part of a larger system. Um, but at the same time, if you're someone that's getting offended about little stuff all the time and you find that day to day most people offend you or like a lot of people offend you or something, think about the fact that maybe it's because you have very harsh, strict guidelines about what's offensive. Um, so it's kind of like this double thing. If, if one group or any group is going to really think about um, making major change in this day and age, I think all groups need to think about it at the very least. I'm not saying that everyone's equal or that everyone has perpetrated the same amount of negativity towards other people, but it's really important more than anything for all of us to like look at ourselves and decide what's negative versus what's positive and like try not to do any behaviors that are negatively impacting society. Um, I think that it's also bringing like for such a long time, if you look at like the 20th century, right? I'm gonna use sexism as a really obvious example because like, yeah. I'm going to use sexism because it's a very obvious example. If you look at, like, back in the day, if a woman was to get upset about her boss, like, grabbing her ass or something like that, a lot of people would be like, she's being too emotional, she's being too easily upset or whatever. It's just someone grabbing her butt. If you say stop it, they'll stop. Whatever. Who cares? And it seems in this day, like, wow, that's crazy to think that. Like, of course that's a negative. Like, she wasn't asking to get grabbed. Like, if I wasn't asking to get touched and someone grabbed me, I'd be very, like, I just wouldn't like it. Um, but back then it was seen as like you're being oversensitive, but in reality, if you look at back then, it was part of a way larger negative culture. And we have to look at things the same way now, because I do think that while a lot of this stuff is smaller scale, it's, it's very important to like address it. Cause if we can cut all the bad stuff out, that would be great. Talking now about the smaller scale thing that I just said, I do think it is, I want to talk a bit about my generation and where I see, like, not necessarily negatives, but, like, it's a very interesting generation. Because due to things like the internet, we have seen the highest levels of activism ever from everybody. Um, and this has affected, I think, my generation the most. Back in the day, if you wanted to uh, address a concern, if you thought someone, if you thought something was wrong with society, it took a lot of effort to make yourself known. You had to go pick it. You had to go, like... Work as hard as you could protesting to get on the news. And then if you got in the news, you had like five minutes to talk about it. And then the news media tore it up, whether it was positive or negative, you didn't really have control of that. And then maybe your movement gained a little support. And at best, you probably were dealing with like, a, like some people in the country knew about it. Most people didn't. It's very hard. Nowadays, with a click of a button, anybody on any topic can become viral and become widespread, world-known issue. It's a lot easier to address issues. Um, and so as a result, we've seen a high level of activism because now it doesn't take all that to be an activist. All it takes is like a computer and an internet connection or even a phone. And so I think that it's a lot easier for people to be activists in today's day and age, which honestly would have been a lot more impactful way back in the day when there was millions of things going wrong and it might have actually helped civil rights to go by faster. The interesting part is that nowadays we have less concerns than ever. Um, in history, if you look at like societal change and growth. There are certain issues in every society that the society works to get rid of, and over time it gets rid of those issues, or it crumbles and collapses because of them. Um, or you have like a handmaid's tale situation where it gets worse and worse until someone's like completely fucked, and that's like what slavery was um, in our history. But so in general you work through your issues. Um, and it's really easy when there's a new issue or like a recently debated issue 
it's really easy to have a lot of concerns with it because usually like if you have something like racism way back when it was very obvious what racism was because racism was like lynching a black person or racism was like fire or or, or like homophobia was firebombing a gay bar like it was very clear where the bigots were and where the ignorance was because things like I was going to say women not voting, but it's actually difficult because a lot of people, women included, didn't think women should vote, which is a crazy situation. It's even a bigger conversation that maybe I'll have later. But if you look at a lot of these issues, it was way glaringly obvious that they were issues. And it's easy for me to say in a lens, like looking back into the past, but like objectively for people that were like trying to, oh, what can I do to make society better? There are pretty big things that we could do to make society better to like stop violence and things like that. But in today's day and age, a lot of that stuff, since there are all older issues... There's a lot less of that stuff to talk about. If there was a new issue, say, right? Like if robots got invented and all of a sudden there was this big issue with robots, we'd be able to see it a lot better because there would be, it would be big, major issues with the robots because it's a new issue. So all the biggest problems are glaringly in your face. But over time, it's been decades for most of these things. Even stuff like the gay rights movement still like 30 years old. Like a lot of these... Well, I mean, it's, I guess it's more than that. But, like, a lot of these things are at least, like, they're all decades old. Like, women's rights, black rights, um, gay rights stuff. All this is very, 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 like, decades old things. So we've had a lot of time to work through a lot of the major issues. Um, and so now we're left with a lot of smaller issues. So we have the highest ability to be an activist with the lowest amount of huge-scale things to actually be active about. And so you see a lot of, like, we focus more on little things, but I think is good. It shows progress, and it shows that we're getting towards a place of equality. But I think the bad part is that you'll see a lot of negative behaviors. Like, I see a lot of tweets about a woman being mad that a dude held the door open for her. I think that's crazy, because, like, I hold the door open for everybody, male, female, whatever. If I'm holding the door for you, it's not because I think that you're a woman that needs to be helped because you can't get the door on your own. It's that I want to be a good person and I see you as another human being. So, oh, I'll hold the door for you. Why not? And so you see things like that kind of being crazy. Or you see things like double standards where like some people go, oh, like men should still pay for the meals, but I also want to be treated equally. Well, in an equal situation, you'd think that most, that like both people would pay for the meal or something. Um, or like if I take you out on a date, you take me out on a date. Like that's what equality really is. Um, and so and I guess I'm going to jump ship a little here. If, if I hope you all understand what I'm talking about, about the activism thing. Um, I have a big issue with double standards. And I, I think this is like the main part of my show that might be a little more upsetting for people on the left is that I find a huge issue with double standards. I see there's a lot like... Like we talk about things like reverse racism. We talk about things like, like all that kind of stuff. Um, and I find that a lot of people are thinking, oh, since like white dudes for a very long time were really shitty towards women or people of different colors or people of like heteros or bad for people of other sexual representations, like you see, you saw a lot of that in the past. And I think the big mistake people are making in the PC movement now, and this is like my big, like what I think is wrong with the PC movement is that now it's the, well, since they were bad. You can't be this way. And I think that's really negative. You see, oh, like, like if, if a woman is trashing a dude on the internet, like, or all men on the, I've seen a lot of like all men or something like that. Like, if you see some, like a woman trashing all dudes because they're all pigs or something like that, that is super negative behavior. It's as negative as me saying about women. I think that it might have less of an impact in for certain groups because, like, honestly, most things people say aren't going to touch me as a white dude. But I do think that that's not a way to solve the issue. It's a way to maybe make you feel better about people being sexist towards you individually. 
But on a major, wide-level scale, I don't think it's going to help the culture move forward. Because all you're going to get is a, is a switch, a reversal of the roles. Like, I, uh, I'll get in, I guess I'll get into it now. Reverse racism is a good example of this. There's an idea for anyone that doesn't know about, like, racism is prejudice plus power. Like, a lot of people think that, like, for, in order for racism to exist, it has to come from a place up, throwing, you know, shit at a place down, as opposed to vice versa. I mean, to a point, it's fair to say, on a societal level, like, racism against blacks might have more of a, a negative uh, connotation or negative end result than racism against whites. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm throwing down as opposed to getting thrown from below or something like that. And I do think to a point that makes sense. Individually, though, I think that racism on an individual basis is anybody being racist, anybody looking at someone for their skin color and making an assumption about them as a whole person. I think that, again, it's, it's discrimination in general is bad. And the reason I think it's p bad for us to get in the habit of saying... Like, I think people are right. Like, I, I could probably do more damage to, like, women or something than they could do to me, I guess. But at the end of the day, if we reward that bad behavior, all it's going to do is be a net negative um, for our culture. Because best case, then, if that happens for 50 years, it's just going to be the same as it was in, like, the 20th century, but reversed. And that's not going to actually fix culture. Maybe it'll make women feel better about themselves. Maybe, maybe people of color feel better about themselves. But it's not going to help society become more tolerant. It's, it's fighting fire with fire. It's fighting intolerance with intolerance. And to me, that's not going to fix anything. It might extinguish half the fire, but then you're just left with more fire. And so I think that it's very important for us to like condemn negative behavior as a whole. If, you're, if anybody is being mean, rude, aggressive, disrespectful towards anybody else for things out of their control, like their gender, their sex, even their economic status, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be bad for our culture if we like allow that. And I think it's way better for us to say anybody doing that is doing something wrong and doing something against the good of the people. I think that is my big issue is that I see a lot more like blame put on one group and the other group using that to justify their stances of intolerance as opposed to saying we're going to fight negativity with like positivity and, and, and doing that I think is much more effective. I think where we're headed is we're going to extinguish most senses of like discrimination from like whites and dudes and stuff. And then we're going to be left with a lot of negativity from the other group. And then we're going to, we're going to take that like minority majority and we're going to have to extinguish that until we're on an equal side. And it would be much faster if we just said as a group, everybody's going to work to be this way. I also think that this is an issue that's going to start to go away as time passes and not just because of the fact that with time comes like more understanding. I'm saying from a from a generational basis, I think our generation does a decent job of not separating people based on like physicality things. I think we're a very understanding generation um, just due to the fact that I don't think we care. I think most people just don't give a shit. Like you could do whatever you want, it doesn't affect me is kind of a general sentiment I find. And I think that is most prevalent when it comes to sexual orientation. I think the reason that sexual orientation is so open in our, in my generation, is that no one gives a shit. I don't care how many people you date, where, what you're doing with them, how, like, oh, you got two boyfriends and a girlfriend. I really don't care. And so I think that as my generation becomes adults, like in our 30s and 40s, you're going to see, like, the millennials becoming, like, the older generation and my generation becoming, the Gen Z becoming, the, like, middle-aged or younger generation, um, I think you're going to see a lot more understanding being taught to people because I think that we have entered a situation where we are past most of the, 
like basic at a look at you, I'm going to judge you and what you're like as a person. And so I think that's a very good thing. I think it's as just as a result of like more diversity being shown and taught and diversity in that, I mean that in any regard. Um, but I do think that's something we have to talk about because I think it's a very negative part of the PC movement is like allowing bad behavior from a certain group of people. And like, why do you want, I don't, I just wouldn't want that. Like if I was in any group, I wouldn't want to be allowed bad behavior. Like I'd rather be, I don't know, I'd rather be equal. I'd rather everybody be happy and no one be being talked down upon for any of their views, politically or otherwise, you know, anything like that. Um, and so I, I think that these are like things we need to, to, to talk about. We have things like microaggressions is a big issue I see. And I think that, I, I don't know, I really liked learning about microaggressions more because I never thought about it. As a white dude, there's not really any microaggressions that can be thrown at me. There's not much people can say in a little way that's going to undermine me or offend me. The big thing with, I guess if you don't know, a microaggression is what you think it is. It's being very minorly discriminatory. Like you're not saying you can't work here like openly since you're a woman, like, but it's more a little thing. Like, oh, you and you, you have three equals at work. There are two, like, you know, three of them are dudes and then it's you and you're a woman. And the boss only comes to you to help you. Some people see that as a microaggression, like, or something like that, where you'd say, oh, that's him saying, oh, since you're a woman, I might need to help you. The guy's definitely got it. And in some ways, I think it is a microaggression for some situations. But the problem is when you start blanketing microaggressions, sometimes, I think the issue with microaggressions is it takes away the idea that most people are just people and people can be shitty. So, like, it, someone might be trying to help you out because they think that you were dumber. It might be because you're a woman and that's a microaggression, but it might not be. And it's hard to tell. I think the best example of this is with mansplaining. I've never really understood mansplaining. I think some people do it. I think some people um, would sit and say, since she's a woman, she doesn't know much about cars. So I'm going to try to explain cars to her. Now, there are probably some situations where a woman knows more about cars than the guy. So she's going to say, okay, I don't need to hear this. You're mansplaining. But I do think that most situations where mansplaining is, is cried out, it's mostly because you're probably dealing with a douchebag. Men and women are both can be douchebags. There's a lot of people that are douchebags. And some people are just condescending. And so I think that it's not necessarily mansplaining unless it's something like, this is cars. You don't know cars. So I'm going to help you. Like, unless it's that blatantly obvious, most of the time, in my opinion, it ends up being this person's condescending because they think they know more than you on an individual basis. I think that brings me into the big versus small argument. When it comes to a lot of these PC things, I think the big discrepancy is big, it's big versus small on a big scale versus on a small scale. Whether it's you're talking about white privilege, whether you're talking about things like uh, mansplaining, whatever you're talking about, I think what the PC movement is generally saying is that on a small scale, some of these issues aren't important, don't really matter, can be translated to everybody. But on a big scale, you see patterns arise that are more um, detrimental. Um, I, I look at white privilege, right? I always get kind of upset about that because I don't feel like I've really ever done anything to you know harm anyone else. I'm a really open guy. I have no issues with anyone for any sort of physicality, any sort of trait. I really just don't care that much about people to be negative for something like that. Um, and so I always would get really upset when someone would say like, oh, like you have white privilege. Because to me, it's like, I don't know, I work really hard uh, on a very individual level to do what I do. Everything I do, I work really hard for. Um, I've I think, though, that I have definitely benefited from being in a high socioeconomic standing. 
I think that I have benefited because my parents make a decent amount of money. But the problem I see, the problem I see a lot of people having is like, well, that doesn't mean that I, it's because, it's because of me. It's because of, or my parents, it's because of the things that they did as an individual. On a small scale, things like white privilege, I don't know if it really exists all that often. Because on a small scale, most people, you know, work for their money, most people do whatever. But the argument is more that on a big scale, the factors that allow someone to have all the things they have might stem from issues bigger than personal stuff. It might stem from things like racism, sexism, whatever. And so I think that's a very important distinction to make. I think that on a big scale, a lot of these problems exist more, but a lot of people take it on a small scale. I think that this goes both ways. You have people on the right who are getting upset about, like they said, I disagree with white privilege at all. It doesn't exist in any way because I haven't, in my opinion, benefited from it. So I think that when someone throws out like white privilege, I see like conservatives getting mad because it, they take it personally, which is totally fair to me. Because if I worked really hard my whole life and someone said it's just because you're a white guy, that'd be really upsetting because it's not. I worked really hard. I can tell you. I can write a little book about it if you'd like. You know, like, I get that being hard on the personal scale. But the thing is to remember, is, okay, you might be able to say, oh, personally, I feel like a lot of what I've done is because I've worked hard. But on a societal scale, there's a lot of negatives to like, like to to that. Um, and then I also think that on the left, the issue is people will take large, big scale like trends and patterns and associate them with individuals. And so then you might have someone on the left saying, as a whole, white people have a little more privilege or like there's a higher chance that they have this or that off the gate. So as a result, I'm going to talk to an individual white person and make them feel bad about their white privilege. And that's assumed. I think a big issue is assumption from the left. You see a lot of assumption, like a woman saying to a guy, like, you don't get sexual assault, you can't talk about it. That's a really tough topic to get into. Because for a lot of, like, because what if the guy that you're talking to was sexually assaulted? That's a very difficult assumption to make. What the woman is saying is on a societal scale, women, this is a lot bigger of an issue for women than for men. And so as a result, I don't think that it's fair for men to make decisions about women's bodies or women's when it comes to sexual assault because it's an issue that affects women more. But when you break it down individually, you don't know who you're talking to. So like you might see, oh, a, a woman who's never had any issue individually with sexual assault talking to a man who has had an individual has had an individual experience with sexual assault and that could become a very toxic situation very fast because of assumption so i think both sides take this big versus small debate and they do it poorly because on the left you see people assuming that since it's a pattern you don't get it because you're most likely part of the pattern which is a fair argument there's a if there's there might be a 75 percent chance they haven't but if they have that's kind of rude on the other side, you take someone disregarding a pattern because of an individual thing. Now, that's just a fallacy. And so I think that that's an issue that I see on both sides that I think is one of the bigger issues that we have to overcome if we're going to get to a different place in this um, PC movement. Um, I think that this is a slippery slope that we're on. I think that we're taking a positive thing, and in some ways we're using it for good, and in some ways we're using it for bad. Um, the PC movement's very beneficial if we talked more. I think it's important for the left to not make the right feel so guilty all the time. I think the right is dealing with a lot of people forcing guilt on them. And I think that they don't like that. And so I think that if the left stops saying, conservatives, you should hate yourselves because of these 10 reasons, they should say, these are some issues that we've seen. Here are examples to prove it. I'd love to hear your opinion. I'd love for you to dissect these and have a dialogue. I think on the right, it's very important to see yourself with less bias. Like, stop thinking, I've seen this, so this is how everything is. Stop thinking... 
I think this, this is everything is. And try to say, okay, I'm gonna sit back and think about, I've gotten to a certain place, but if I think about other people, maybe this is how it goes. I think, and, I, and this isn't even right versus left. I see people on both sides of this issue who don't fall into those categories. I see people on both sides of this issue falling into the opposite category. I think it's important for people to think about those two things. Um, you might see more patterns on one side or the other, but I think it's a basic thing. We often become more understanding. In today's day and age, we have a lot more, um, I guess, a lack of understanding. There's a lack, there's more assumption, and there's people are kind of sparring all the time. It's more of each side has a, like I'm right, like you're I'm right, you're wrong, you know, you're wrong, I'm right, uh, and there's like a it's always a battle as opposed to a conversation. I think it's very negative because both sides have very clear biases, um, and I think that if we came together and talked about them, we could find a way to do what's best for people while making it have like make fiscal sense, things like that. And so I think the conversation as always is important. And that's why I do this show. Um, before I go, um, I want to talk very quickly about some uh, smaller topics that didn't necessarily make the cut for this episode, but I felt were interesting anyways to talk about. This is a big one. My friends and I talked recently about James Bond and how we feel about James Bond. Um, I'm not a huge fan of James Bond, especially the older ones, because I do think it, it is a very, it's a, it's like a, it's a classic trope, but it's a classic, like, toxic male trope. Um, you see in, like, the James Bond, like, the women characters are always these hot babes that had to get saved by James Bond, then they would go have sex with him because he was so attractive, and James Bond was this, like, superhuman male, um, type A white dude, um, that would always beat the weird foreign guy or something like that, and I, I and I think the, the, the status as a trope is what made them so popular, um, but I think it also is overall not necessarily a positive trope. Um, and my friends and I always argued about this because they're like, we love James Bond. James Bond's super cool. I mean, it's not realistic, but neither are like superhero movies, you know, like it's, it's, you know, whatever. And I think that in today's James Bonds, they've got kind of gotten rid of most of the negative stereotypes or tropes within it. They've gotten rid of like the, a lot of that stuff. I still think that we're going to eventually see a female um, 007. Um, I wonder how that's going to go. I could so see that causing huge issues. I'm thinking like the Doctor. I don't watch Doctor Who anymore uh, at all. I've, I only ever saw like two seasons. Like whenever, I don't know, whatever David Tennant was the Doctor, that's the only ones I've really seen in some of the other ones, I guess. But uh, I think now it's a female Doctor. And I do think that uh, 007 is going to have the same treatment done to it. And I wonder how people are going to take that. Um, I find it weird how easily offended some people get. And I'm... And, and, the left does this when it comes to like they're offended about little things, but the right does it equally when they're offended about weird things. Like, oh, this is a female lead, and then a bunch of people come out of the woodwork saying how that's like offensive. And I think it's crazy. Uh, I think it's kind of funny. Um, I see a lot. Like, I'll guess I'll use superhero movies to talk about it. I see a. Lot, I hear a lot of people talking about oh, like, like they don't like Black Panther. Or they don't like like oh, like Black Panther in Endgame was 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 you know too much of this or like in Endgame you see oh that one shot with the women was you know whatever I think it was really cliche and really campy that one shot with like Peter Parker has the thing and also I think it's Peter Parker and then all of a sudden like all of the main women in the in the whole franchise and by the way most of them aren't even important characters which is where I have a problem with it um, but it's all the women in the franchise jump over this hill at the same time and all of them stand there for like a hero shot for like three seconds and then they save the day and it's like very female empowerment and I think that it's super corny, but like at the same time, it's a superhero movie. It is super corny. Who cares? Like so are the tights that everybody's in. So I think that on the one hand, I understand people saying it's corny, but I don't get people saying it's like negative. It's not negative. It's just goofy like everything else. The problem I did have though is that like I hate that instead of making, 
I'm a big fan of showing, not telling. My big issue when it comes to a lot of like race and gender stuff in entertainment is that instead of showing strong minority characters or strong female characters or strong gay characters, they like tell you that they're strong. An issue I had, and this was like Supergirl, like when Supergirl first started, oh my god. It was such a, this is a female superhero fest. It wasn't showing a good female superhero. It was telling you she was, this is a female superhero. They're just like male superheroes. I think that's less impactful. Um, I think that having original content as opposed to gender swapping or race swapping, having original content with well-written, strong characters that break stereotypes is a lot more effective than telling your audience something. Instead of having a woman shot in Avengers Endgame, they should have had more strong female characters. Avengers are literally a bunch of dudes with one chick. Have more females and just make them strong. Don't tell me that they're strong. Don't make the MacGuffins like uh, Brie Larson, with a, uh, I can't even, I'm like blanking, um, Captain Marvel. Instead of having Captain Marvel save the day, like make her come out of nowhere, and she wasn't even in the movie. She was in it twice and both times she saved the day. It kind of forces the idea down your throat as opposed to having her in the movie more and having her be a strong character. I think that's a big mistake that Hollywood makes trying to be inclusive and just makes them look stupid and it's honestly less effective. Don't gender swap Ghostbusters. It was a flop for a reason. Like don't, it's just not really effective. All it is is like a Ghostbusters, but with a different cast of people. Just make a different franchise with strong women. Um, there's a movie coming out. Uh, it's a DC Vertigo film called The Kitchen. Um, and it's, a, it's like Melissa McCarthy, um, the lady that plays Offred in Handmaid's Tale. She was in um, Elizabeth something. She was in um, Mad Men. Uh, I can't, uh, it has a, a female like leads or whatever. And it's about like a, ladies whose husbands are in jail and they decide to take life into their own hands and start like a gang to like, like start like a mob type thing to like come fight against the dudes. It might be super catering towards the, like, women can do anything. And then the big bad guy's like, you are just a woman. You cannot beat me. Like, that could be the movie. But it also could be just a very good show of force. So, yeah, this is just all women and they're being badass. That's more effective to me. So, please, DC, don't mess that up. Whoever is making it, 20th century film, I don't know. Um, so, I guess, whew, I guess that's it. I hope I made some sense in this. I hope people aren't mad at me. I don't think I've said anything too offensive. Um, I guess all I'm going to say in closing is think about yourself. Think about the people around you and think about how to make them feel like you want them to make you feel. Don't be negative to a group of people because you don't like the way they've acted in the past. Don't be negative to a group of people because they don't like the way they're acting now. Be positive towards everybody. Lead by example. And don't silence people. I hate the silencing thing that everyone's doing today. If we don't like your Twitter, we're going to ban you. If we don't like your views, you can't speak at our college. If you make a bad joke as a comedian, uh, we, we want you to get off the stage. Don't silence the people you disagree with. Don't block them from your Facebook. Because generally, that's going to cause less benefit in today's society. Silencing people is going to do nothing but cause less, like, it, all it's going to do, really, all it's going to do is it's going to shut up the people you don't like for a minute. And they're going to, bask in what you consider to be their ignorance. It might be actual ignorance, and if it is actual ignorance, they're gonna bask in their ignorance, and they're gonna sit there, and they're gonna become more volatile, and it's gonna make a more extreme group that speaks less, which is more dangerous because you have no clue what they're gonna do or think or say because you can't see it anymore. It's a lot more beneficial to communicate, and both sides leave with a mutual understanding and grow. 
If you enter an argument to prove someone wrong, get them to tell you you're right, you're going to be disappointed. Because it's very hard, especially with issues like these, to change someone's opinion in one conversation. And if you're trying to do that by shoving it down the throat or telling them to stop talking, it's not going to work. If you want people to be less ignorant, talk to them. Understand their opinions, and I think both people will leave with a more understanding. I think I end this episode the same way every time. Don't silence the people around you. Talk to them. Converse and communicate. That's what I hope to do with this show. Um, I hope to bring perspectives of two sides or both sides or every side to an issue. If you like the show, keep watching. Like, subscribe. Honestly, just keep listening. Um, I like making these as long as people are listening. And that's what's happening. So keep listening. Uh, if you want to contact me in any way, uh, you can find me at uh, John underscore Sherburn, S-H-E-R-B-U-R-N-E. John without an H, by the way. On Instagram, you can find me on Twitter probably too. Um, just keep plugging, everybody. Do your best. Talk to people. Stop being so angry. I know you're angry. Everyone's angry. So stop. Have a nice rest of your day, night, evening, twilight, whatever it is. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your neighbors, your friends, and your enemies. Have a nice rest of your day. This is Ben, the Nightcap. Yeah.